And as you do, uh, turn to the book of 1 John. If you need a Bible, there is one under a seat in your bayou. Uh, grab that and get with us to, towards the back of that Bible to the book of 1 John um, chapter 2. Um, when we sing a song like that, you get this glimpse, um, you get this reminder, you, you kind of get called out of the here and now. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it elevates your mind. Some of you, some of you are looking at me like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, it, it, it elevates your eyes and your minds on eternity. Um, like as we were singing that, um, I was just reading in Revelation 5, and you don't have to turn there, and around the throne on each side of the throne are four living creatures. No, like picture this full of eyes in front and behind. The first, living, uh, the, the first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And so just, just picture that. Now you got this living creature like an eagle in flight. You have this living creature with the face of a man and one that looks like a lion and uh, one that looks like an ox and the four living creatures, each of them with six wings are full of eyes all around and within and day and night. Day and night, they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Day and night, they never stop saying that. And, and there's something in our humanity that you're like, that sounds boring. Day and night to do the same thing. I mean, picture the most awesome place you've ever been on this earth. Grand Canyon, Niagara Falls, Swiss Alps, whatever it is. And, and remember like the first time you saw it and you're, you're just in awe and it made you stop talking and you're just looking at it. Now imagine just going there every day. Uh, first time I went to Niagara Falls, by that evening, I didn't even notice the waterfall anymore. By that evening. And, and that just reminds us how quick we are to lose the awe of things. But, but for all of eternity, we'll get up and we'll say, oh my word, he's still holy, holy, holy. Like we'll never lose that awe. And so I know in, in um. In, in our, like, here and now and in the 24-hour, seven-day-a-week, I know we get really disappointed when we lose the awe of things, when we're like, oh, man, that thing used to so stir my heart, and now it just, like, it just rejoice over that. It's God reminding you that there's nothing in this world that can ever satisfy an all-eternal longing for awe in your heart. So this wasn't my introduction at all, but... Um, <laughs> But it does fit perfectly with the very first line we study today in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. John's just like, don't fall in love with this place. Don't fall in love with this stuff. He's like, he's just going to go on. We're going to get into it. But he's like, it's a bad investment. Like, uh, yes, it will, it will capture your heart for a time, but it'll be like this. It'll just be like, it'll have your heart for like this amount of time. And then you'll be like, uh, next thing, next job, next, 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 uh, next thing, next purchase, next, next, next. And he's just like, don't fall in love with this place because it's so, so temporary. 
And so I kind of gave it away from the start, but where I was going to start today is with this question, should, should we love the world? And I kind of gave, gave away, you know, John says here, pretty clear answer, right? Do not love the world or the things in the world. But I got a, I got a question related to that. What do you do with that kind of most famous verse ever thing? For God so loved what? What do you do with that? For God so loved the world... The the same author recorded the words of Jesus in his gospel of saying, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now you come to John's letter here uh, later in the Bible and he says, Do not love the world. Obviously we know John's not contradicting himself. Obviously we know know he has a message for us in this today, uh, a warning for us to not be people who fall in love with the world, and we're going to talk about what that means. But today's message is all about this. The love of the Father in you will swallow up any love of the world and lead you to know the joy of abiding forever. We need this love of the world swallowed up in us by a greater love. And so uh, framing today, uh, our conversation today with three questions. Three questions are going to kind of organize our our thoughts here today. And the first question uh, we need to answer because of what I just pointed out, what does it mean to love the world? What is John getting at here with that statement? What does it mean for us to love the world? The second and a really, really important application question then is, do I love the world? Do I love the world or the things in the world? Now, that is such a crucial question because um, I, I hope this isn't a newsflash in it. We, you live in the world, right? And so we might not even know where the love of the world is in us. Like a fish doesn't know it's in water. We might not even know where there's elements of love, the love of the world in us. And so we need to answer that question. And then uh, thirdly and really, really importantly, there's a great things at stake John's going to say based on whether we love the world or not. So what is at stake if I do love the world? Let's talk about it together, but first let's pray. God, help us. Please help us. We want to understand what you've said here, and we need your help to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 John 2, verse 15. By the way, if you're newer here the last couple weeks and you look around and you see, man, people are taking notes on stuff, but I don't know where they got that stuff they're taking notes on. Um, with this series, is a, what we call a series guide. We're on page 66 if you're taking sermon notes in this here. But if you don't have one of these, uh, stop by the Next Steps area when you leave and you can pick one of these up for the rest of this series and that'll be a helpful tool for you in this. First John 2, verse 15. Do not love the world... Or the things in the world. Now, uh, I pointed out from the outset, we got to kind of wrestle with what does John mean with this? Because John 3.16 tells us, for God so loved the world. And if God so loved the world, uh, as his image bearers, there are probably the elements of what God loves that we are to love too. So what does God love? In John 3.16, when it says, for God so loved the world, uh, God loves the people of this world. God loves us so much that he sent his only son to die and pay a penalty for our sin, for the fact that we've transgressed him, for the fact that we've wandered away from him. God's like, I love humanity so much, I'm sending a substitute sufferer to pay the penalty for their sin. I also think God loves his creation. 
He made it, and it's beautiful. And, and, and when you read in Genesis, what, sometime this week, uh, open your Bible to page number one and begin to read Genesis 1 and just think about what a perfect creation would have been like. I open a Google every day, and I read through the news stories. And just this week, reading through the headlines of the news, my stomach turns. It wasn't that in Genesis 1. All of us have known the surreal moments where, where death has set in on this earth and the grief of death that wasn't there in a perfect world. And God makes this creation and he says that it's good and then God makes humans in this creation and he said now it's really good. And so I think God loves the people of the world, I think God loves the created order in which he said, now here's what God doesn't love about this world. This world has gone in a way away from him. So you have this perfect creation, enter sin, it all distorted. What was once a, a right relationship, perfect harmony with God, is now that, that, that fellowship of that is broken by sin. And people, all of us, we all have wandered away from God. We've all wandered far away. And I believe what John is getting at here when he says, do not love the world. Don't love the way of this world. Don't love what this world loves. Don't value what this world values. Because the way of this world is, is, is a way that's away from God. This is why Romans 12, 2 calls us to this as believers. It says, do not be conformed to this world. Paul, the author of that verse, understands something. There's a way that this world operates that the believer is not to be conformed to, not to fall in the mold of but is to look radically different than. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, that will apply later in this passage, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And Paul is calling us in Romans, don't be conformed to this place. And John is telling us here, do not love this world. And then he even adds, do not love this world, do not love the way in which it is going, and don't even love the things of this world. Do not let your heart get tethered to temporary things. Because you'll be let down in the end, as we're going to see here. And this is a really big deal. This command, this negative command... I mean negative in the sense it's telling us what not to do. Do not love the world or the things in the world. This is a really big deal. Look at what it says going on in verse 15. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now I read that and I go, John, come on, man. Throw us a bone here, right? Like, can you soften that a bit? Because I wish, it could, I wish that could say... You know, if you have some love of the world, like you got some love of the Father in there too, and, and I know it's just kind of a convoluted mess, but he says, no, um, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And immediately James 4, 4 comes to mind. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. Like just straight up, 
in our face, right to the point. James tells us friendship with the world is enmity with God. John tells us here, uh, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And right now, because I live in this world, I've grown up in this world, there's a way and a pattern of this world, I'm like, I need more details. I need to know whether I'm one of these world lovers. Anyone with me on that? Help us. John, help us understand how might we know whether I love the world and the things of the world, which gets us to the second question of today's message. Do I love the world or the things in the world? Please ask yourself it as we preach it. Ask yourself it. As uncomfortable as it might be, ask yourself it. I was reading my preaching hero this week on this passage. Uh, Well, Jesus is my first preaching hero, okay? Um, Martin Lloyd-Jones, preacher in London, Middle of uh, 1900s is my preaching hero. And um, as he was teaching this passage, he said something that was just so convicting because I'd been preparing up till like Wednesday morning, uh, planning to preach this to all you worldly people, okay? I'm kidding, by the way. And then Martin Lloyd-Jones, he says, let's all approach this passage being very suspect of our own hearts, not assuming that the love of the world is just for the other people out there, but for uh, a test for my own heart as well. And so I say, John, we need more details. Help us know what does the love of the world look like. Thank God he does, verse 16. For all that is in the world, what's the very next thing that comes in your Bible after the word world? What? No, even before that. Even before the next word, is he, do you have something between the words there? A dash. And this week, I was just, I literally said out loud, Lord, thank you for the dashes. Thank you for what is between the dashes here. Because what's between the dashes helps us understand what, it, what, what does love of the world look like. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes And pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. So so we come to this and we we, we see John say, don't love the world, do not love the world, do not love the things in the world. And, And there's something inside of our heart that goes, I need more. Get specific. Help me understand. How can I identify whether I love the world or not or what that looks like? He gets into this and he says, here are the elements of the things of the world. It's the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life. Now, I had a decision to make at this point. I thought, now we can go into specific examples of what is desire of flesh and what is desire of eyes and what is pride of life. I'm like, I'm not going there. I'm, I'm going to leave it higher than that and let the Holy Spirit work it to specifics in our own heart. But how we come to an understand what does it look like to love the world or what does it look like to have the love of the Father? And our desires will always tell us. Our desires will always point to what we love. A desire is this, uh, my simple definition for it. You know you can make up your own definitions? Do you know that? So let that have the weight in which it would have in your mind knowing I made this up. A desire is a longing for something. So we're trying to ask the question, do I love the world? 
Getting at an answer to the question of what I'm desiring helps me understand that which I love. And a desire is this, it's a longing for something. So I just ask you today, what are you longing for? What am I longing for? And we'll let the Holy Spirit work on our hearts in whatever way he sees fit. Um, A couple examples of how this may work. If we're longing for, if we have a deep, deep, deep longing for the treasures of this earth over and above treasures stored up in heaven, we just need to do inventory with our heart. And I, and I know all of us are in the, sin bo- the same boat, the sin boat. We are in a sin boat. Um, thank you, Jesus. Um, all of us are in the same boat where like this, this, this tug of the flesh is always there. Um, um, it's always trying to like, oh, look at that shiny thing, new thing. But I'm asking, like, what do you desire? What do you long for? If, 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 if it's purely just stuff that's going to just last here and not make, like, we just got to ask our heart a question. Um, if we're longing for, like, can't live without, like, are absolutely crushed and crippled when we don't get the applause and the affirmation of people, when, when we've learned how to be humble on the outside, but inside we're like, come on, keep it coming. Shower me with praise. we got to ask ourselves, what am I longing for? What am I desiring? What do I love? If we, if we, if when we live this earth, if our pleasure is paramount, like our pleasure above anything else, we have to ask ourselves, is the love of the Father in me, or am I, do I love this world and the things that this world can give me. Do not love the world. Do not love the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. All that is in the world, desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes, the pride of life, the elevation of self. It's not from the Father, but is from the world. We have to ask ourselves very, like, straight to the point, just like the Bible is with us. Like, Brock, what do you desire? Straight up, dude, what do you desire? Brock, what does your heart long for? In the quiet moments of life, what are the things that captivate you? What are the things that swallow up your heart? What are the things that, 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 that lead, um, that, that bring out the affections of your soul. Brock, that will point you to what you ultimately love and whether you love the world or not. So, I think right here, um, we got to ask a question. How does this get fixed? Like, if you're in here right now and you're like, man, straight up, I have very... Like, I don't desire God at all. I just desire the next thing here and now, uh, making a name for myself here and now, accumulating stuff here and now, whatever it is. How does that get fixed? Let me first address how that doesn't get fixed, but how at times in our uh, man-made creations we try to fix it. And then we're going to talk about how God fixes this. How do we fix this love of the world? Here's how not to do it. Throughout the history of the church, 
uh, depending on um, eras of the church, culture, um, what, what has happened and what can still happen is you come to a passage like, do not love the world or the things in the world. And um, we, with well-intentioned desires to not be worldly, we can create lists of things. Okay, here's what worldly people do. Here's what worldly people do. And uh, so I'm not going to do that black list of things. You know what I'm talking about? So my dad grew up in a home where you, you couldn't play cards. And I'm, my, my, my grandma and grandpa were amazingly godly people. They were just doing what they were taught like you were supposed to do. So he grew up in a home where like, he couldn't play cards. How many, let's be honest, you're in church, okay? How many of you in the last three months have played a game of cards? Rebels. <laughs> my grandma tells a story of sitting at their dining room table having had some friends over. They were playing bridge. I don't even know what bridge is, but they were playing bridge. And a, a, a person from church drove by while they were sitting at the table playing bridge. And so Sunday, that person came up to ensure that there would be no card playing going on at the dining room table of the Graham home. It was on the blacklist. Um, uh, some grew up uh, not going to movies. Not going to movies. Who grew up? Who grew up? You didn't go to movies? Anyone? I failed you as your pastor. Okay. There's this list of things, kind of what becomes a legal list of things that says, like, here's what the world does, so don't do these quote-unquote worldly things. And I, listen, I'm not, I'm not completely bashing it. I get the heart behind it. But we have to understand something. That will never remedy a heart that lusts after the things of the world. You with me? Like, not loving the world and being full of the love of the Father is not just a black list of things to be avoided. It's a greater love to pursue and be consumed by. And so how does God, how does God redeem world lovers? If it's not just make a list and, and Brock work really hard to not do anything on that list, how does God redeem world lovers? And here's how I want to frame this. First thing he does is this. He 2 Corinthians 5.17's us. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a, he's brand new. He's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So upon salvation in Jesus Christ, upon us seeing, whoa, I'm broken in my sin. Whoa, I'm hopeless without a Savior. Whoa, I need to cry out on Jesus and put all of my trust on Jesus to save me. Uh, an amazing thing happens in our heart. We don't just go, okay, now I'm going to try to be a Christian and now I'm going to try to do some good things. Yes, there is a pursuit of holiness, but the pursuit of holiness comes only after a heart change in which Jesus even gives us the desire to want to pursue holiness. We're made new. And it's, it's amazing. And so God redeems world lovers. How do, we, how do we not love the world or the things of it? The Lord has the 2 Corinthians 5.17 us. And then he does this. We already read this verse, but he Romans 12 twos us. With this new heart, as a new creation, 
Yes, with moments of the flesh rearing its ugly head. But we come to what it says in Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed to this world. And we say, yes, Lord, please help. Yes, Lord, please help. Jesus, I know without your help, I will just want to conform to it again. But yes, Lord, please help. I want that. I don't want to conform to this world. I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I want to test and discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That is a sweet, sweet truth right there. Where we say, I don't want to conform to this any longer. I don't want that. And yes, my flesh will try to lie to me and the enemy will lie to me and say, yes, you do want that, Brock. But no, I don't want to conform to this. I don't want to follow the pattern of this anymore. I don't want to walk the way of this anymore. But instead, I, Lord, transform my mind, renew my mind. So then I will be able to look and I'll be able to test and I'll be able to discern and say, no, that's what's acceptable to the Lord. I want that. See how much better that is than just make a list of things and don't do it? Do you see? Because you got to see. Because even if you're like, oh, I'm not one of those legalistic people, we all do it in our head. Instead, what the Lord does when he gives us a new heart, when he's transforming our mind, he says, no, now look and live and watch and walk by the Spirit in moment-to-moment dependence and look and say, that's acceptable to the Lord. I'm going that way. And then this is awesome. And then he Colossians 3, 1 and 2's us. Hold on. Let me have a breather. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is. Come on, church. Like all week long, just walk around like this. If then you have been raised with Christ and if through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ you have called out on him and said, Jesus, you have to rescue me from my sin, you have been raised with Christ. And if you've been raised with him, seek the things that are above where Christ is. So, so, so let me stop. We'll get to the rest of that first. But, but you're like, okay, how do I not pursue the riches of this world and lay up treasures in heaven? You, 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 your, your mind is renewed in such a way that you're like, I just want to seek the things where Christ is. The things that will matter for an eternity. And it, it, lifts, your, it lifts your mind and your heart above all of this. Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. What does it look like just every day this week? Like alarm goes off, boom, Colossians 3, right away. You, you have a Bible, right? You open to it or you memorize it and just, Lord, help me um, because I've been raised with you. Seek the things that are above today where you are 
seated at the right hand of God. Lord, help me set my mind on those things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. Because, come on, we all know we can wake up with that intention, and by 10 a.m., it's just whoop, right back down here. I got to do this, and I got to win this, and I got to accomplish this, and I got to hit a sales goal, and I got to do this, and I got to do this. All good things, all necessary things, all things that are just happen in this world, hopefully for the purpose of giving the Lord worship, but we got to keep getting our eyes back vertical. What are the things that will matter for eternity, and what are the things that won't? And so... It's better than, how does God redeem a world lover? It's better than just make a list of things, look around, make a list of things. You go, that guy seems pretty worldly. What is he doing? Not doing that. And instead, recite gospel truths to yourself. No, what happens to me the moment I'm in Christ? New creation. What does a new creation mean? It means I no longer want to conform to this world. I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. What, what else happens? It means I want to lift my eyes, my heart, above the here and now to the things that are unseen and the things that will matter forever. And God redeems world lovers. Now, now, there is so much at stake. Literally, eternity is at stake with whether you love the world or have the love of the Father in you. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Now look at this, verse 17. And the world is what? I want you to notice the tense. It doesn't just say the world will pass away. This world is passing away. Like if you're living for the things of here now, it is currently dying. It is a total bad investment. The spiritual ROI is awful. Don't live for something that's dying in its current state. The world is passing away along with its, there's this desire word again, along with its desires, but ready to worship? You ready to worship? But whoever does the will of God abides how long? We think we think this world is so permanent. And it's so fleeting. Just this week I was at the hospital sitting bedside to an awesome brother in Christ who the Lord would probably call home soon. Couldn't communicate. I was just sitting there with him, and I looked down at his wristband. I saw his birth date. I did the math in my head. And I said, at one time in my life, that would have sounded like a really long time. But it doesn't anymore. I remember when 40 was old. 40 is not old anymore. We think this earth in world, it's so permanent, it's so fleeting. It's passing away. Scripture tells us our life is a vapor. 
The next time you're cooking something and you got the water on the stove, just watch the vapor come off it. Watch it disappear and go, that's my life. And then, and then don't be like, oh, that's my life? That was like the most depressing thing ever. No, it's so good. Because whoever does the will of God abides forever. Now, who are those that do the will of God? Only those who know Jesus Christ in personal relationship have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of them can carry out the will of God. Only those who know Jesus can carry out the will of God and will abide forever. That word abide will remain forever, will rest forever, will endure forever. And like if we get this, this will dramatically impact this week. If we get this, Tuesday afternoon will roll around and go, man, <clears throat> at this point last week, that was like a really big deal. It's not anymore. If we get this, our eyes will be elevated up beyond just the happenings of this world. We will, yes, live in this world, but we will truly not be of this world. And it'll be a beautiful, beautiful thing. The love of the Father in you, though, has to swallow up any love of this world. It's got to swallow it up. You can't just say like, okay, don't love the, okay, do, do not let this be the action step for you leaving church today. Okay, like don't love the world. Okay, whew, let's go, Brock. Don't love the world. Yes, that's what it says. That's what it says. But, but, but that love has to be swallowed up by a greater love. The love of the Father in you. And many of you in this room, you are believers you know personally Jesus Christ. You have tasted the goodness of God in personal relationship. You've known the miraculous love of Jesus in your heart in a way that is unlike a love that you could taste anywhere else in this earth. You rest in that love. It allows you to live above a love of the world. But if you're in here today, and you're like, dude, straight up, I just love this world. Like before I walked into church today, you're going, I just thought all of this life was about is accumulate as much as I can and, have, and live for as much pleasure as I can and just to elevate self and live for myself and live for what would make me happy. And, and, you're, and you're going, I've seen in the word of God that it's not about the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life. And you're seeing that scripture tells you that whoever does the will of God abides forever. That, on, that comes only through you knowing personally Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells you something very, very beautiful. It says that it is by grace that you are saved through faith. Grace is a gift you don't deserve. Faith is you receiving and resting on Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. 
You're not clinging to anything else. For it is by grace you are saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that none of us in here can boast. So my question for you is, have you received the free gift of Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Because until you do, there's no power inside of you to not fall in love with this world and the things of it. But the moment you do, you're a new creation, your mind is renewed, and you begin to lift your eyes to say, I want to live for the things that are eternal, not the things that are temporal. If you never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior today, you need to come up here and talk to someone after the service. We'll be up here, we'll be in lanyards, we want to talk to you about how you can know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior today. Christians, when you feel the pull, when you feel that, oh, I just want to love the world and the things of the world, recite these gospel truths to yourself. I'm a new creation in Christ who will not conform to the pattern of this world. But I will set my mind on the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Church, will you stand with me? There's a way of this world. There's a pattern of it. There's a current. May God, by the power of his spirit, this week, lead you into the joy of abiding with Jesus in such a way that you, you go a different way. You swim against the current. Your affections and desires are elevated on the things that are eternal. So that whether God gives us 75, 80, 85, 90, 95, 100 years even on this earth, the moment we're in it, the moment we cross over into his perfect presence, we'll go, now I'm really living. Father, I pray for that. We hear what your word says. Do not love the world or the things in the world. We hear that the things of the world are not the things of you. God, I pray for any heart in here who's never met you personally. Jesus, would you prompt them in such a way to come to talk to someone they came with, to come up here and talk to someone to receive you, the free gift of you for salvation today. And Lord, for those in here who do know you, would our abiding in you allow your love to swallow up the love for it?